Good morning, Life Point Church. Welcome once again to LPC Online, and uh, we're great, glad, great to have you here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we're going to keep going on our series, Trust in the Trials. And I know so many of us, uh, before the coronavirus hit, we were going through a lot of trials, and so it's always a timely uh, series to go through, Trust in the Trials, and we're very glad you could make it here. We are so looking forward to when we can meet again. And it's been great meeting so many of the new friends we've met over the internet, people not even from California who've been watching the videos. So uh, I think God has been using this uh, to spread his word out in ways we could have never imagined or ways we could have imagined, but now we've been driven to. And so I think it's been a good thing. Thanks for tuning in. And we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, we've got uh, worship songs again. We've got some videos. Uh, we've got our message. So we're open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Lord, for all of us who are struggling in this coronavirus through the trials, I pray for your grace and your mercy and the touch of the Holy Spirit to be upon our lives as we continue to go through this challenging time. God, for those who have lost loved ones, whether to the virus or just recently, Lord, we pray for all those who may be grieving right now and, and, and grieving in relative solitude, Lord Jesus. And Father, we also pray just today, wherever we're at, sitting on the couch, computer chair, whatever, God, I pray right now just for a special touch of the grace of God, the love of Jesus Christ to wash over us. Lord, as we just sort of turn our problems into prayers and we release all the stress and all the tension and once again embrace the truth that right in the midst of the trial, God can be trusted. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and show you uh, a few videos first, get a, get a little hello from some of our members from LPC. Then we're going to jump into a worship song, and then we'll be right back for the message. Hello. Hope everybody's doing well. I wanted to share with you something my father, who's 83 a few weeks ago, uh, shared on Easter Sunday. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Hey, Pastor Tom, it's Mark. And Connor. And we're just, uh, we want to give a, a really good compliment for what you have said in the comments. We miss everybody at church. We miss seeing everybody on a weekly basis, but we really appreciate your message. And the one we heard last week was plan ahead. Good ahead, but don't worry ahead. Good job. That's one of the most important things. So what we would do, we pray every day as a family, but one of the most important things we've actually added more of was spending more time in the Bible. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 91, which says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of, of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In the darkness we were waiting, without hope and without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes, to fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Pray. 
praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to reveal the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died and praise a Father, praise a Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. that you rose all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the death rose through the tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise a Father, praise a Son, praise a Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. forever to the King of Kings. Well, good morning, uh, LifePoint once again. Great to have you back. And we're going to continue here uh, worshiping with our message. 
and our teaching today. And last week we talked about Exodus 16 and uh, the, the, the blessing of manna and quail that God blessed the Israelites when they were in the midst of their trial. And this morning we're actually just going one chapter uh, after that in Exodus chapter 17 and learning how God continued to teach them how to trust him in the trials. And kind of in preparation for the message, I came across a story that was just astounding. Uh, in 1988, for the Winter Olympics, uh, there was a phenomenal thing that happened. They had a skiing contest that was performed by blind skiers, skiers who were blind, they couldn't see, and they were tethered to sighted skiers. And a television program that was on was featuring them and the pair and the skiers, the pair, the sighted skiers were saying left, right, left, right. The blind skiers literally entrusted their lives. I mean, they're going down a slalom course at terminal speeds and and they're going just super duper fast. They're trying to get the fastest time. And all the while they're listening to the sighted skier behind them saying left, right, left, right. Go this way, go that way. Man, what? a picture of the Christian life, right? What a picture of not just having God as a religion, but God as a relationship with Jesus Christ through the infilling of the Holy Spirit to glorify God the Father, where he is literally shouting the lefts and the rights. We are blind to what's coming, but God has perfect sight into what's coming. It's very interesting when the, when the TV interviewer was interviewing some of the blind skiers, their response was, Wait until you see us next time. Wait until you see us next time. And I, I thought to myself, man, I'd be free. If I, I can't imagine if somebody put a blindfold, put me at the top of a mountain. I know how to ski. They put me on the top of the mountain and said, ski down this hill blindfolded. It would be terrifying. I mean, talk about a test of trust. I'd rather have that thing where you like try to fall backward and people catch you than ever have to do something like that. And their response was, wait until you see us next time. And I hope is, my hope is that obviously this is the one pandemic of my lifetime. But if another pandemic ever happened again, I pray the church, I pray myself, I pray all the people who are around me that we could say to the world and before God above, man, wait till next time. Wait till you see us next time. We might not have done this one perfect, but we're growing. We're getting stronger. We're learning. We're educating ourselves how to trust God in the midst of the trial. And so uh, that's what we're looking at. Like I said, today we're looking at Exodus chapter 17. Last week we looked at Exodus chapter 16 where God was teaching them trust. They uh, were in the desert with no food and, and God provided the manna and the quail in Exodus chapter 16. Well, this week we're going to go a little bit deeper and we're going to talk about the three categories of people that you will often find a trial. In other words, the three types of people, the three types of reactions by people in the midst of the trial. And those are the grumblers, the grievers, and the growers. The grumblers, the grievers, and the growers. And here's just a quick overview of each. Grumblers, these are the people who tend to live as victims. Their instant reaction is to often blame others 
for all their problems. They often live with a confused identity, not really knowing who they are on the inside. And so they tend to live off other people's power. Or they tend to live off who other people tell them they are because they don't have the confidence of who they are in and of themselves. Uh, they not only do they live off other people's power, but eventually, eventually these kind of people suck people dry because they don't have any of that inner peace of their own. And they believe that God cannot be trusted in the practical things of life. And so they solely rely on themselves to get by and to get through for peace and provision. Now, a good example of this was the character George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. If you've ever seen the movie, it's a Christmas classic. Tried to pick one that we've probably all seen. Uh, I just watched it last Christmas and, and it really reminded me, you know, all throughout the movie, as much as I, I love Jimmy Stewart, I love the character, it's a bit of a grumbler, you know, grumbling about this, grumbling about that, you know, all the house, all the kids, all the mortgage, all the rent, all the jobs, you know, and, and all these kinds of things. He's a bit of a grumbler. And of course, at the end of the movie, something terrible happens where he thinks he's losing all his money, losing his house and everything, and he wants to jump off a bridge. An angel saves him. And by the way, angels do not get their wings. Uh, that's a little poetic insert into the movie. But the moral of the story is actually quite, you know, quite amazing in that, you know, as he begins to see the amazing impact he's had on other people, he switches from being a grumbler to a grower. And of course, at the end of the movie, he's been free from all of that victimness that caused him to grumble. Now, the second person is a griever. Now, grievers are people who have really suffered a loss, either through death, somebody died, or divorce, which can feel a lot like a death. In a way, it is a death uh, when the two become one that become two again. And grievers are kind of in a special category because grieving is really a state of waiting where God has us processing the loss. It is healthy to process the loss. It may carry a negative connotation, but it is a biblical concept to grieve and process the loss. Grievers who grieve in God's strength emerge stronger, whereas grievers who fail to grieve properly, sometimes they never fully recover. And so how we grieve is just as important that we grieve. And then, of course, the third category is the category that God is really moving all of us to. God's hopes and dreams for all of us is that we would become growers. We would become students. We would take every opportunity in life as a chance to grow, as a chance to learn, as a chance to build perseverance, build endurance. Uh, you, know, <clears throat> uh, the, you know, these are the people who kind of view every challenge in life as a lesson to learn and to grow, to get stronger, no matter what the horrors may have been. And while a good, a good example for, for grumblers was Jimmy Stewart's character, George Bailey, a good example of a griever is Florence Nightingale. Uh, she spent the last 30 years in bed. She was a nurse during the American Civil War, but particularly during the Crimean War, where she saw and, 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 and administered uh, in the midst of so much death and destruction. And of course, she admitted I would go to the hospital and put on my happy face and go home and just be grieving. And the grieving literally drove her to illness. Uh, well, a good example of a grower is one of my favorite heroes. His name is Jake DeShazer. He's a World War II veteran. And uh, in World War II, he was famous for being on the Doolittle bomber raid. 
Uh, that was in 1942. It was the very first air raid that the United States ever did in retaliation to Pearl Harbor on the mainland of Japan. I believe they t bombed Tokyo or somewhere in there, uh, the mainland of Japan. Well, his plane ran out of gas and he had to ditch over mainland China. While some of those crews were rescued by the Chinese, DeShazer and his crew were captured by the, by the Japanese and they were brought to a POW camp. And it was a horrific experience for Jake DeShazer. Uh, he was a pilot, he had just bombed Japan. He spent 40 months in a POW camp, 34 of those months in solitary confinement. Now here's the great miracle. While he was in a Japanese POW camp, he asked one of the Japanese guards, is there any way you could get me a Bible? Wasn't really a Christian at the time, didn't really know what his beliefs were, but uh, there's nothing like being in a POW camp to give you some time to think. And so he got a Bible, he read it, and uh, he, he became a, a, a Christian. He got born again and began to follow Jesus. He began talking to the Japanese guards about Jesus. And of course, after the war, he was released. He was in a prisoner exchange. He was returned to the United States. And the interesting thing is this. In 1950, he took all of the horrors of that experience and he went back to Japan and he began to minister as a missionary, even finding the captain of the air wing that led the raid on Pearl Harbor. And he explained to him the gospel, gave him a Bible, and uh, his name was Mitsuo Fushida. And he became a believer and follower of Jesus. You can Google him. Uh, he became a Christian, very outspoken, and began to also talk about the great blessing of forgiveness. Now you've got grumblers, victims. You've got the grievers that they can go either way, but they've got to grieve because it's a very healthy point. Then you've got the growers, the Jake DeShazers, where even in the most horrific of opportunities, not only do they find a way to grow, but perhaps do things they never would have done had they not gone through the trial. So grumblers, grievers, or growers, which one do you find yourself during this challenging time, this extraordinary time of the coronavirus that we have here in our nation? Ask yourself during the rest of this message, which one have you been struggling with lately and how can you get uh, either to healthy grieving or healthy growing? Either one of those is the goal, but we don't want unhealthy grieving or we definitely don't want to get into the mode of grumbling because it just begins to divide you from everything that is good and awesome and important in this world. All right, so let's keep going. Now, to take some cues, in Exodus, God is taking his people from being grumblers to growers. And in the middle, there's a lot of grieving that go along the way. Check out some of these scriptures. Here's where we're going to Exodus 17. Here's some snippets from 14, 15, and 16. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11 says, And then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? You can almost hear the grumbling in there. And then in Exodus 15, 24, it says, And the people com complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And then in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, this is last week where we're talking about the, the provision of the man and quail. They, they said the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Here's the deal. 
the Israelites were used to being slaves in Egypt. They didn't really know how to provide for themselves. They didn't really know how to fight for themselves, defend themselves. They were so used to being beaten down, told what to do, and controlled by other people that now they have their first measure of freedom and they don't know what to do with it. And we can have that sometimes. I don't mean freedom as that I'm an American, I'm free. I mean being free from bitterness, being free from manipulation and coercion and control, being free from low self-esteem, being free from addiction, being free from anger, being free from bitterness, all of these things. When we take our first steps of freedom, we often don't know how to handle it. God needs to almost teach us how to be free as we take our first steps of freedom. And so, you know, we often, I mean, God's wanting to teach them how to fight, but we often want to say, you know, I wish God would just take care of it. I have this problem. Man, why can't God just snap his fingers and take care of it? Now, here's the odd thing. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. It's, you know... I mean, when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea, that was God. He, by his power, he parted the Red Sea. And I mean, of course, the Israelites had to have the faith to walk through it. But that's all they had to do was just walk forward. They get on the other side and God literally destroys one of the most powerful armies of the world, a superpower of the world. And God single-handedly in a moment destroys, if not all of it, the best part of it. Chariots, everything, boom, gone. Now, we like that, yeah, God did that, yay, God, you know. But God's not always like that. And as you'll see in this chapter, this in this chapter, God's actually going to start teaching Israel how to fight for themselves. And so if God is having us do the fighting, it's often for a far more perfect reason to grow us into growers <laughs> and to sort of transition us out of the grumbling state. And I want to say something here because I've been thinking about this. It is totally possible to be in a deep, deep trial and completely in the will of God. We don't like to think it. We don't like to admit it. But it is, it is not totally possible. It is actually often. We can be in a deep, deep trial we can be in a, in, a, in a rough season of the journey, and it is completely God's will. Check out this quote from Oswald Chambers. He says, to choose suffering makes no sense at all, but to choose God's will in the midst of suffering, well, that makes all the sense in the world. Makes all the sense in the world. So let's look at Exodus 17. You're going to see the scriptures on your screen here for the next few minutes. As you see the progression where God is taking Israel from grumblers to grievers to growers. From grumblers, grievers to growers. All right, let's go beginning in Exodus chapter 17, verse 3. God says, the Bible says, But the people were thirsty for water. They had the manna and quail. They had food, but now they're thirsty. And so what they do, they did what they are programmed to do. They grumbled. It says they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? What's, it, what's interesting is these people doubted the one fact, God's provision, that they could trust God. The one fact of which they had overwhelming evidence. Red Sea, manna and quail. How much is it going to take for these people to start trusting God? 
Verse four, then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? I can almost almost laugh a little bit when I read that. What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile. Remind them. They can't, maybe they can't see me, although my glory is all around you, but, but remind them of that staff and go. And stand there and before you at the rock of Horeb, Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So here we have the grumbling session, you know, and and of course, <laughs> who are we to judge, right? When you're thirsty and there's no water and you're in the middle of the desert, grumbling is probably going to be our natural reaction. But God is, again, taking them from grumblers to growers. But in the middle, they have a stage of gr- grieving. God just provided water. So now they got food and water. There's only one problem. These pesky little critters called the Amalekites, and they are dirty fighters. They don't come head on to the main caravan of Israel. They start attacking from the rear. The Bible teaches us in another passage. They start attacking from the rear, and they're picking off all the stragglers, all the sick, all the lame, all the tired, all the weak. They're picking off all of those people and they're either taking them or killing them. And that sets up a time of grieving. Moses gathers the army and says, men, it's time for us to fight. And so he sends Joshua out as their commander. And here's the story here in beginning in verse eight. Verse eight, it says in seven, Exodus 17, verse eight, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight against the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. These are Moses' instructions. And so Joshua fought against the Amalekites as, as, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. What it means to lose in a war is it means that some of your soldiers got killed. It means there's going to be some grieving going on. And that was a part of this. They were going to get to the promised land, but there was going to be some cost involved. And some of that was going to be some grieving. So they went from grumbling to grieving, and now they're going to get to growing. Uh, Here we go, beginning in in verse 12. But when Moses' hands grew tired, see, now they're growing. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, obviously one's on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And so uh, the lesson again, the lesson of lifted hands, you really find in verse 15 here. Let's read this. So Moses built an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner or uh, Jehovah in the sea, one of the names of God. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. 
not to be too preachy with this, but there's both an encouragement and a rebuke from the altar that Moses makes, and he names it and dedicates it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, you know, like a, like a victory banner. And essentially it's like this. If, if you lift your hands before God, he will fight for you. He'll fight with you. He'll fight alongside you. In fact, many times he'll go in before you and the battle belongs to the Lord as we lift our hands before the Lord. But of course, there's another lesson here. Lift our hands against God and ultimately we'll see our plans fail. So lift hands before the Lord, victory. Lift hands up against the Lord and ultimately defeat. So a couple of quick take-homes here. And then uh, hopefully you'll begin to see this process. Hopefully you've already seen from Exodus 17 where they began. They began grumbling about water. They end building their first church and celebrating and glorifying God as the God of victory, saying, the Lord is my banner. And they had just celebrated a great victory against their enemies and the provision of water out of the rock. They went from grumbling, there was some grieving along the way, but ultimately ended up as growers. And that's the process that God takes them through in Exodus 17. It's the process that God wants to take us through whenever we face a trial in life. Point number one is this. Growers build upon previous victories of trust. Growers build upon previous victories of trust. We see this in the staff. Both times in the water and in the battle with the Amalekites, Moses has this staff. And this staff is important because this staff is the object of which God did previous miracles. Remember, this was the staff where God says, Moses, throw down your staff. And he threw down the staff and it miraculously becomes a snake. He said, now pick it up. He picked it up and it miraculously became a stick again. This is the staff that Moses waved at Pharaoh and all the plagues happened and it caused Pharaoh to release the Israelites. You know, this is the staff where Moses raises in the Red Sea parts. This is the staff that uh, Moses strikes the rock this, this time, and it's a good thing, and water starts coming out. This is the staff that Moses... Sometime, when you're growers, you have to look upon previous victories of trust. Number two, growers focus on principles, not preferences. Growers focus on principles not preferences. Indulging our feelings and our emotions often lead to preferences. And let's face it, sometimes we can be the most emotionally indulgent people on earth. It's all about our feelings and it's all about our feel goods and our trying to get more of our feel goods and get less of our feel bads. And here's the problem with feelings and emotions. They, they seem to amplify all our preferences in life and they sort of confuse and make fuzzy all of the principles in life. Principles are things that whether they feel right or not, they are right. It's the discipline to do it. You know, I may not feel like getting up and going jogging today, but that's the right thing to do. It's healthy for my body. I'm going to get up and go jog. I may not feel like putting my monthly allotment into my savings account, but it's the right thing and I'm going to do it. And y'all have to live on less for the month, but I need to be putting it in my savings. You know, it's those kinds of things. Living off principles rather rather than preferences. Number three, growers accept their call. Growers accept their call. In some ways, in Exodus chapter 17, 
a lot of this was Moses' work to do. It was Moses' work to strike the rock and have the water come out. It was Moses' work to lift his hands in prayer and see the Israel, Israelite army succeed. But Aaron had a call too. It was to be the one who raised up Moses' hands. Her also had a call. It was so that he would raise up Moses' hands as well. Moses alone could not win the battle of prayer that God had called him to. So he had a call to, have his, to lift his hands. The other two had a call to be there to keep his hands lifted, to come alongside and support him. Joshua had a call to lead and command the army. And the foot soldier on the front line had a call to stand courage and brave and run forward with a spear. They all had a call and a purpose. And a lot of times I will see people fighting who they are, fighting what they've been born to do, fighting what they have been placed here on earth to do. And that can lead to grumbling and grieving. And so growers accept their call. And once you accept it, you can grow in it, grow in it and grow in it. And over the years, you are really growing in it. And you begin to feel the confidence, not only in who you are, but there's a peace and a trust in God that he is going to complete the work he started in you. And that leads to greater trust in the trial. <clears throat> Number four, growers ask for help. Growers ask for help. There are some people who always ask for help, either because they're too needy or, or too lazy or, you know, they just have a sign on their forehead that says, help me, you know, and, and, it's, and they're, just, they're just always asking for help. That's one person. Almost the exact opposite is the person who never asks for help. They will never ask for help because they don't want to seem needy and they don't want, they want to seem, they don't want to seem incompetent. They don't want to seem like they can't do it. So both are kind of out of a pride. Laziness has a bit of a pride and, and so does, you know, stubbornness, you know, or, or not wanting to appear weak is a sense of pride as well. And so you've got this sense where, you know, in order to grow properly, you can't be on either of those two sides. There's a third kind of person that is willing to ask for help, but they ask for help at the wrong time. You know, there's a timing in help. You know, when you show up and someone is sick or injured or they just had something going on in your life and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But can you come help me? No, that, that's the wrong timing. You got to have some discernment and be aware of that, you know. And of course, then there's people who they ask for help. It's the right timing. And what happens when they do? Everybody gets blessed. The person getting help gets their need met. The person doing the helping gets blessed by God by being God's agent of help to meet that need. And so you see a great cycle here that happens. Growers ask for help in the right time. Recently, uh, Tanya and I, we went for a walk in our neighborhood and, and uh, one of the things I do at night, my family thinks I'm nuts, but I love to look at the stars and point out which ones they are and all that. But obviously my favorite nighttime sky entity is the moon. I mean, there's nothing like it. Uh, I lived for nearly 20 years in the state of Washington. And while I lived there, we all thought that the moon was a vast conspiracy. You never saw it. Uh, people talked of it as though it was there, but it was so cloudy all the time that you never really knew there was a moon. And, and even if you did glance up on the one clear night there was, it was like you're baffled to even see it. Well, living here in 10 years 
in California, uh, I see the moon almost every night in all its different phases, waxing, waning. I've learned all that stuff now. And, and the other night, as I was looking up the night sky and looking at the moon, I thought, man, that is so cool. The moon was just so glorious in its light. And I felt like God said this, Tom, the moon in and of itself has no glory whatsoever. The moon is merely reflecting the light of the sun. That's the only reason why you can see it. That's the only reason why it looks so beautiful. And then it dawned on me. That's us. Us as growers. Growers who trust God in the trial. We're like the moon. Although we're not reflecting the glory of our physical sun. We're reflecting the glory of God. When we face trials, not as grumblers, but as growers, we're like the moon at night reflecting the glory of the sun. We are reflecting the glory of God in our lives. And believe me, others see it, they want it, and they're glad for it. Because at the end of the day, we all want hope in this world. We all want hope. And so I want to conclude by leaving you with a question. What's it going to be? What's it going to be today? Grumbling? Pass. Grieving? If you're grieving, grieve healthy. There's nothing wrong with grieving. There's wrong with getting stuck in grieving, but there's nothing wrong in grieving profit, uh, or in grieving healthy. But growing step by step by step by step in patience. Not impatience, but in, I-N, patience, growing. I, uh, <clears throat> in, this, in this chapter, twice Moses stretches out his hands. And if you look at all the commentaries, and I found this in the commentary, it's amazing. It reminded me of something a friend of mine from college, my first college in Seattle. Uh, I had one, one of my next door roommates. He had a funny way to pray. He always liked to pray like this. So one day I said, you know why? I said, sometimes I pray like this. Sometimes I pray like this. Sometimes I pray like this or like this. You know, the last, why do you do that? That almost seems like you're about to do a bear hug to somebody. He said, well, this is going to sound kind of funny. But I pray like this because it, this is the posture that Jesus had when he was on the cross. So when I mimic what he did on the cross, it reminds me where the power of my prayers come from. They come for what Jesus did for us on the cross. How powerful. He literally prays in the image of the cross because he knows that's where all his confidence and authority for answered prayer comes from, the cross. So he, he'd always pray like that. He'd always have, we'd have to give him room because he needed his arms outstretched. Well, twice in the book of Exodus chapter 17, Moses stretches out his hands and you can't help but see a small picture of the cross as the final word and the final authority that we can grow in our trust in God in the trials. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would take us from grumbling to growing. And along the way, we're gonna have some grieving. And so Lord, I pray Help us to grieve honorably, to honor those who have been lost, to honor the loss, 
and to surrender it to you. And I ask you, Lord, for all of us here, if we don't have that relationship with Jesus, if Christianity is just a religion, that'll have no power. The only power that'll have will be to drive us into addiction and madness because religion is not the answer. We were not, we were not created for religion. We were created for relationship. So I pray, Lord, right now, if, you don't have, if you've never prayed this, just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to have a relationship. I believe that you are the Son of God to the glory of God the Father. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose as a demonstration that you defeated death. And Father, I confess my sins to you. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sins and take me to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week as we continue with our trust in the trials. I stand before you now the greatness of your renown. I have heard of the majesty and wonder of you, King of heaven, in humility I bow. And as your love and wave after wave crashes over me, crashes over me for you are for us you are not against us champion of heaven you made a way for all to enter in i've heard you calling my name I have heard the song of love that you sing Oh, so I will let me draw me out beyond the shore Into your grace, oh, your grace And as your love and wave after wave crashes over me crashes over me for you are for us you are not against us champion of heaven you made a way for all to enter in you make me brave you make me brave you call me out beyond the shore to the waves you make me brave you make me brave no fear can hinder now the love that made away and as your love and wave after wave crashes over me crashes over 
me for you are for us you are not against us champion of heaven you made a way for all to enter in